Welcome, everybody, to Behind the Chalk, a podcast that brings you tools, strategies, and insights from educators everywhere. I am your host, Lindsay Simpson, and I am excited to take you behind the scenes and share with you conversations with educators from every level discussing our passions, insights, research, and experiences across the profession. Thank you for joining as we prepare to meet Mrs. Brittany Thierman, CEO of Neighborhood School of Dance, and hear how she has fought to keep the love of the arts going for children and families during a time when most arts have been shut down. I would love to hear from you and hear how you are keeping the arts alive. So please head on over to Twitter and share with us as you listen at ChalkEDU. I would love to hear what you are doing. My guest today is Mrs. Brittany Thierman. I would like to welcome you onto the podcast. How are you? Good. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Doing wonderful. So happy to have you on and finally be able to share. You know, this episode has been in the works for a little bit. So I'm finally glad to sit down with you. Thanks for having share. me. Yes, you are doing some tremendous things. And for our listeners, uh, I just taken a couple few classes from Neighborhood School of Dance after like a 25-year hiatus from <laughs> dancing. <laughs> and it's so wonderful. And, uh, you know, when I'm in those classes, I can see the passion um, from your students. But before we dive into that, I want to start out with just a couple questions that I ask every guest. So just quickly, what were you like as a student? What was I like as a student? So um, I would say when I was in high school, I um, I had to try a lot, you know, like it didn't come easy to me. I'm not a good test taker um, by any regards. So um, I had to try and, it, you know, growing up, my brother ended up being the Victorian of his class. Things come so easy to him. So I think like we were like total polar opposites, you know, everything came really easy to him. And I had like study, 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 study. So, um, but yeah, I think I, I was overall a good student, I think. I don't know. <laughs> That's so funny. I did not know that your brother was valedictorian, but um, I also am surprised to hear that it didn't come easy to you because you seem to pick everything up so quickly. So that's so interesting to hear that perspective. Yes, yep. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons I ask these questions because I'm always so surprised on what I hear. So what brought you to the world of education in the arts? Because this isn't this isn't what you started doing in your career. No. Um, so I went to school. I, I uh, majored in accounting. I was going to be an accountant. Um, I ended up picking a second up a second major of business administration because it was like two classes away. So that was the only reason why I did that. But um, I came into the arts because, um, you know, I danced at neighborhood since I was in kindergarten. And I remember having a conversation with um, Sue, the person that had the studio before me one day after adult tap. And they were like, oh, you know, would you ever consider taking over? And I was like, uh, absolutely. Like I totally see myself as a small business owner. I always thought I was going to be in, I always thought I was going to own an ice cream shop. I didn't think it was going to be a dance studio first, but here we are. And, um, and so one day I was driving to my parents' house for lunch, um, leaving my, cor my corporate job and Sue called me and that was the phone call that changed my life. And here I am now I own the business. This is my eighth season as the owner 
And I just am so fortunate to be able to live and breathe my passion every day and teach these kids something to be passionate about. I love that. And that it's the perfect transition. So when we return, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to hear more about how you have gone through the last 12 months this week. It's one year oh and God. hear how you have fought to keep dance in the lives of your family. So we'll be right back. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in just one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm to get started. Okay, so we're back with Mrs. Brittany Thierman, CEO of Neighborhood School of Dance, and we are going to chat the arts. And I'm so excited for this conversation because it's, it is about the arts, which on an education podcast is completely appropriate, but you have a studio in our area, one of two, and I see so many kids come through your doors from when I took classes there and hopefully when I return with my daughter. Um, and they're so happy to be there. You can see the passion that you're cultivating through this, this art. Um, but it's changed a little bit this year, right? So just a, <laughs> just a tad. And yeah, this week is one year. Can, I, can you believe it? It's been one year. Uh, it's, it has been a year. Oh my goodness. It, it's just crazy. Yeah. So, um, we were talking about this in dance class last night, actually, they were like, you know, it was about a year ago that they were like, you know, school shut down. And then, um, I, I think it was right around St. Patrick's day is when we officially closed in-person classes at the studio. So our kind of story this past year, we started with, um, some, um, virtual classes. We didn't really do Zoom because I, you know, I knew that a bunch of kids were already doing Zoom for regular school and I didn't want to, you know, just be another thing that they had to look at a screen for. So we kind of did some different things. Like we, we ran, we ran some online classes through band, which is a different app. Um, and we did like, you know, ballet vocabulary classes and, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, an adult ballet class that, you know, so different things that we didn't typically offer. Um, but then as the, you know, the weather started warming up and we could get outside, I had reached out to the local um, health department and I was like, you know, I see that tennis can start back up and you can be in person with tennis. So you know, dance is obviously nothing like tennis, but if we can be, you know, six feet apart, if we can sanitize, if we can, you know, implement all the same safety protocols, can we reopen? And um, they, you know, I had a conversation with them. They, they got the lawyers involved and they're like, you know what, uh, if, if all of you, if all that you're telling us is what you're going to actually do, then do it and see what happens. And uh, I think, you know, they, they were on board with it. So I was like, yes, let's do this. Let's go. Um, mind you that all through this, I was pregnant. 
and uh, was about to have a baby. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was a group effort with me and um, all of our teachers and our, our, our students and the parents and everyone just saw that, you know, um, one thing we learned 100% through all of this is that what we do is so much more than a dance class. We're teaching dance. That is the thing that they're learning. That is the thing that they're growing with. They're learning technique. You know, they're learning different parts of their body, but it's so much more. You know, we do, I do a lot in class, like half on, half off, half dance, half watch. And we always, you know, compliment the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being in a supportive environment like that, um, it was, it, that's, that's what we do. Um, and you, we really realized that through all of this. So yes. fast forward to May, June, and, uh, you know, we had six weeks in person outdoors in our parking lot under a tent, and then we had a, uh, outdoor recital. So we did it somehow, some way. You did it. You <laughs> did it. And it's been amazing to watch on how you pull all these pieces together, right? Because there's no manual. No one's ever done this before. So it's been on the fly. How do I keep this going? And of course, you know, of course we do this for the kids. We do this for them, but you know, obviously this is also your business. So it's like twofold of trying to figure out how to make this work. Um, but of course, because it's so different, it's because this isn't how, how you've always done it. So, you know, just for our listeners who may not have taken dance, um, what was your normal before? What were kids doing before? You know, who did you provide classes for? So uh, pre-COVID, um, we, you know, we had classes, we have classes for ages 18 months to adult. Um, um, each class meets once a week for about an hour. We typically run the classes from September through May, and we take off, I think, about five weeks during the season. We always take off a full week, you know, at a time, um, you know, for like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and all that. So um, it's about like 32, 33 classes that uh, we get in each season that we are preparing for for annual recital. Um, and uh, before COVID, we started doing Christmas shows as well. So a bunch of kids would have like two opportunities each season to perform on a stage, um, which in of itself is something that we're like so excited to be getting back to here, you know, a couple couple weeks or so. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so we finished the season now with um, an annual recital, which would have been in, I think it was like May 13th. It was supposed to be last year, um, which ironically, that day, it was snowing in Olean. <laughs> that's ever happened before it was like snowing on a recital day so you know I remember that because that was just a couple weeks before my daughter was born and I remember sitting at my kitchen table um in classes with kids as they were trying to figure out how to learn in the spring and looking out and being like of course of course right now it would snow Mm-hmm. We are at home. The world is shut down and it's snowing in May. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I thought my daughter would be born in the spring, but maybe she'll be born with snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the world really is turning upside down. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, you, you mentioned it a little bit already, but when we talk about the skills that students learn through the arts and through dance. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, if there's parents who are listening, who are thinking about what dance could do for their child, what, what would they learn through, through something like dance? 
it's so um, it's so multifaceted, really, because it doesn't matter what you want to do. If you want to excel in school, if you want to excel in math, if you want to learn how to play the drums, it like if you want to be better at soccer, if you want to be better at basketball, it's almost like you know it's like a cross training thing for anybody because you're learning muscle toning, coordination, agility, balance you know, um, creativity, you know, you're learning how to connect to music. There's so much that goes with it. Um, and there's so much that also goes with it that your brain has to work. Um, this week in Adult Tap, we were doing a new combo and um, uh, it's a lot faster than we have been doing this season. And they're like, this is requiring so much brain activity. And I'm like, I know this, it's crazy. <laughs> it really is crazy how much brain activity but in, in this class, you know, we have, you know, a lot of um, older people in the class and they're like, this is so good for my body, but it's also so good for my brain. Um, mm -hmm. So it really is for like all types of ages. Um, and, you know, Junior, my son, he's in Twinkle Stars and it's, he is absorbing things so much quicker. I am so shocked. And like, you know, I'm not just saying it because, you know, I've, I own the place, but like, I'm like, oh my gosh this really, this really works. Like this is, this is amazing. Like seeing it firsthand, but yeah, it's like, no matter what you want for your child, if you want them to excel in sports, in school, you know, dance can only benefit that. Yes. Well, and even if you think just um, like research wise, right? Like if you think about how we stimulate kids' brains in school, the biggest thing, especially those younger ages, is to get them up and moving and crossing the midline of their body to get the left and the right hemispheres of their brain connecting. And you're doing that. You're doing that for a whole class, <laughs> getting them to, to cross that midline, connecting their brain. And then, of course, because our brain is the way it is, it's going to apply that in everything else they do. You know, I remember so, you and I having that conversation at one point, however, whoever knows when that was. And ever since that conversation, all my stretches, I always do cross body things now. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> You're helping my students. You didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know. But it, you know, it, it just makes total sense. And, and in reality, you really were probably doing it all along. You just now, <laughs> you just now know there, that there's a connection to this whole other world. <laughs> so, you know, through these classes, you know, obviously were so important to all of your families pre-COVID and we've already heard how quickly you had to shift gears to keep continuing to provide these. And I love how you said you had to, you were looking at other avenues besides Zoom at first, because I can tell you, I know so many kids are like, I just, I can't do another screen. I can't do another Zoom call. I myself am a little Zoomed out. I have a bit of Zoom fatigue, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so finding those alternatives, uh, I'm sure was huge for your families. What do you think probably the biggest obstacle has been this year? And, and how do you think you've overcome it? Um, so now, you know, our season <clears throat> started back up in September and we've got about seven weeks left until the end of our current season. Um, so the biggest hurdle has been following all, like following and keeping up with and, you know, continuously pivoting with all these safety protocols, you know, dance is a, a it's, you know, it's an interactive thing. You're, you're next to other dancers. Um, sometimes there's partner work you know, there's formation changes. 
There's so many things that you're interacting with others. And now that whole element is completely gone. So when our dancers come to class, this is the whole breakdown of how it is. And it's been so like um, just trying to finally get to this was very time consuming. But this is how it goes. Walk into class, we screen them. Uh, we take their temperature. They walk to a seat that is six feet apart from everybody else. They change their shoes. We start class. They walk to a square in the middle of the room. We pass out hand sanitizer. Everyone has masks on the whole time. We, we do our class. Um, I don't do any formation changes. We don't do any across the floor. We don't do anything like that. Everyone stays in there. We give everyone like eight by eight foot squares. We give them a bigger square than they're supposed to have. And then mm -hmm. when class is over, we pass up hand sanitizer again. They go back to their, their chair, which is six feet apart. They change into their street shoes and they exit out a different door. And then we go in with this little Ghostbuster backpack and we spray the entire dance floor with disinfectant. There's 10 minutes in between each class. All the class sizes are limited to not 10 bodies, so nine dancers or eight dancers. And that has been the biggest hurdle is trying to like, first of all, finding that, finding that that works, um, getting our teachers on board and our parents on board was not a hurdle. Everyone was just really um, accepting and willing to do whatever they could to just have some sense of normalcy. Um, but having that element with our classes, you know, um, I think I was looking back the other day, we've had like over 2000 points of contact so far this season, meaning when one person comes to one class, that is a point of contact and we've had zero transmission within the studio. And that's I amazing. think that I, I, thank you. I think that's amazing. It's an, it shows, um, you know, how much our teachers are committed to this, how much our parents are committed to this, how much our students are committed to this. I've talked to my teens a bunch of all the time about this and they're like, we feel so safe coming to dance. And I have some parents who don't even send their kids to regular school in person. They do virtual, but they send them to dance because they know we get it. So it's been a hurdle for sure. And, you know, buying lots of hand sanitizer and masks <laughs> and all these other things we have to pay for this year, but it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Well, I remember when you sent me a photo of the Ghostbuster pack and <laughs> I immediately thought you will never have to buy another Halloween costume again because you could be Ghostbusters from here on out and it will, it'll be perfect. So. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, the kids from the get-go, I think so many people had concerns and, and fears of how kids were going to adapt to this and truly I've been amazed at how, how well our students have done, because I really do think that they want to do whatever they can to have that little bit of normalcy and to be able to do the things they love. So things like staying in a square and wearing a mask, they're like, eh, no problem. I can do that as long as I can do it, as long as I can get to dance, yeah. I will do that, you know, or at school, like as long as I can come to school, I will wear the mask. It's not a big deal. Yes. So I really have to like, commend the youth of our nation which oh I don't goodness. feel like they get this very often so I will say this I am gonna I I would love to just shout their praise because they really have done an amazing job adapting better than some adults I I agree I think some of our like kindergartners do a better job at following it than sometimes our teens do but that's just teenagers so what do you expect <laughs> well yes yes uh 
yeah, but still way to go kindergartners. <laughs> Amen to that. So with all the changes, has there anything that has surprised you in a teaching in a different way that maybe you think like, actually, that was a pretty good thing to experience, or maybe just maybe I'll take bits and pieces and carry this over when we can go back to normal? Yeah. So, um, I want to say like when, uh, when it was about April or May, I started realizing, you know, COVID is a terrible thing. I never want to go through again once it's over with, but I do think it's going to teach us to be better and to serve our students and our parents better in the long run. I think it's going to be good for businesses. Um, if they're willing to adapt to, um, you know, be better. So one thing that we started doing um, this season was we now live stream every single dance class. And that is one thing that I, we will continue, not just because we've, you know, made the investment <laughs> on all these <laughs> tablets and all this internet and all this crazy stuff, but because I have so many, especially my adult class, my adult tap class, they say all the time that they rewatch the live stream um, so they can take class whenever they want. They can rewatch it. They can go over parts that they were confused about in class on their own and give them their own time. Um, and even my teen dancers, and especially right now, you know, like if anyone's in quarantine, they can't be in class. They can still at least, you know, learn and be part of it through a screen. Um, but I think it's something that we will continue because it's helped all of our classes kind of stay on task even better by giving them a chance to practice at home as well. So I definitely think that's one thing we will continue. That's fantastic. And it's so funny because when I talk to kids in a school setting, that's the thing that they want to keep there as well. You know, I have several kids that are like, you know, if I'm sick, you know, I don't want to miss school because if there's just so much I have to catch up on. But if I can zoom in and I can, you know, or if I can watch and rewatch and rewind and play again and, and that, and, you know, I can figure it out and keep working and not fall behind, that's what I want. So that's, that's wonderful that that carries over. Yeah, for, you know, that's awesome. Them. That's fantastic. You know, see this, the technology here, it's going to do us wonders. Yes. <laughs> so what is what have you been the most proud of? You have worked your butt off <laughs> this past year. And, you know, so the teachers in the neighborhood school of dance, everybody has just worked so hard. And so I'm sure there's a lot of things that you're proud of, but what's, what's probably the thing that you're the most proud of? I would say um, I'm probably most proud of our students um, just never giving up and you know, for me, dance is my passion forever and ever, amen. Dance has always been my passion. And that's not how it is for all of our students, obviously. Some people just do it because they think it's fun. Some people, you know, this is just something that they know and they do. Um, but our students have never gave up. They, um, they'll do anything to be in class right now. So they, they take this seriously. You know, we, when we had our kind of restart of the season over the summer, we were outdoors under a tent. Um, but it was outdoors. So I feel like some of our students, you know, might have been a little bit more relaxed with the rules. But now everyone takes it completely seriously. Um, and they just they're just they don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. So um, I'm probably most proud of our students for, you know, making the commitment to dance and making the commitment to be safe for themselves and for their classmates and their teachers and everything. So it's just been it's been a whirlwind of a year, I tell you. It's just so crazy. 
but it's um, it'll it'll end on a high note with our annual recital Friday, May 14th at Bradner Stadium in Olean and Saturday, May 22nd at the Square in Port Allegheny. So um, that's a whole nother obstacle in itself is the logistics of an outdoor recital, which we've never done. So, <laughs> But I'm sure you will knock it out of the park like you have the rest of this year. Uh, but, you know, let's let's talk about a lot of times we, we hear them in the education world as soft skills that kids have. Um, I like to call them essential skills and resiliency is really, truly one of those essential skills. And yeah, we've all upped our game in our resilience and our ability, ability to be resilient. I would so, say for sure when, um, uh, when I kind of reached out to our seniors who are supposed to, who graduated this year, well, in 2020, our seniors, our senior dancers, um, they all took this with so much grace and they were just like, you know, it is what it is. And they, I, I told, I told them, you know, this is where you build character that will follow you through the rest of your life. And if you are willing to find the bright light at the end of the tunnel in this now at 18 years old, you are setting yourself up for success in the future. So I agree. <laughs> Those are certainly words from an educator right there. That's perfect. <laughs> so before I let you go, you know, people get into the world of education in whatever form they enter because they love kids. They, you know, they love teaching kids. They love working with kids and they're just passionate about whatever focus they've chosen to, to, to be in. And so these stories that come out of those situations are the ones that we carry with us. So I was wondering if you could share a story from your past um, that will stay with you forever, whether it's a funny story, a heartfelt story. Uh, What's a moment from teaching dance that will carry with you forever? Um, Well, I'll just tell you the first thing that comes to my mind, which isn't really the happiest of events, (laughs) but um, one of my dancers... um, when I, I think this was like year three or four for me. Uh, one of my dancers one night, she called me and, and um, I was like, oh, so-and-so's calling me. I'm like, this is strange. And she was like, she, she was like, Miss Bernie, one of my friends, I just lost one of my friends. Like they killed themselves. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I was like, how are you? Are, are you okay? You know? And Um, that moment I will always remember because what we do at dance, like I said before, it's so much more than a dance class and that really cemented at home for me. So how wonderful that you have made this connection with these kids that in that moment of need, you were the person that they thought of to, to reach out to, um, you know, to, to kind of take their, their hand, even through the phone, how that's just awesome. That, that's a sign that you really do your job well and you're where you're supposed to be. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I enjoyed our conversation and hearing from you about how you've continued to fight to provide dance education to our youth and to families during this difficult time. If any of our listeners would like to connect with you or follow what your dancers are doing, especially on these awesome TikTok videos that you are making now, <laughs> where where can they follow you? Where can they find you? Um, so our website is msdolian.com. We're on Facebook. Um, we're on Instagram. We are on TikTok now. Um, yeah, so uh, 
that's where you can find us. And, you know, we're always open. And if anyone ever wants to try a class, we take students all season long. You don't have to start in May. You can start next week if you wanted to. Um, and if you don't live in the area and you can't come, you know, experience Neighborhood School of Dance, wherever you are, I just encourage you to try it out. Try out dance. Um, be a part of something big. So. Perfect. Head on over to Instagram or Facebook or to their website to connect with Neighborhood School of Dance. And I will have all of those links in the show notes. So listeners, I really encourage you to, to reach out, to follow, to see what they're up to, because they do some pretty amazing work. And again, we would love to hear your thoughts on how you are keeping the arts alive. So head on over to Twitter and give us a shout at ChalkEDU. I like to give a little book highlight from something that I have been reading. As you know, I'm making my way to the distance learning playbook. Module five shares strategies to provide clarity to your learning environment and your lessons gives tips on developing learning intentions that ensure students know what they're supposed to learn, helps you as an educator develop success criteria that provide students ideas about what learning looks like. On page 95, there's a quote that says, you will know you're successful when students know what learning looks like. Although I'm not a classroom teacher anymore, I try to find myself in front of students as often as possible. And even though I have been doing this for more than a couple of years now, I still find myself with excited jitters before a lesson. A couple of weeks ago, I found myself in that same place in front of fifth graders. We had a fun day ahead of us. The teachers and I planned a full day with hands-on activities that we figured out how to make COVID safe, and we were ready to go. It's been a while since I've been able to work with students because of COVID. And like I said, I was a little nervous. So I fumbled through my introduction in the beginning of the first activity of the day. And when I told the kids to get started, I just saw blank faces looking back at me. I realized that in my nervousness, I was so unclear and they had no idea what they were actually supposed to be doing. I laughed out loud and owned it. And I asked, you know, would you like me to start over and try again? And of course, they all laughed and even other adults nodded and laughed. And sure enough, when I did it again, the kids had more clarity and the lesson went great. But holy cow, the looks on their faces were priceless. They were so excited to do something different and special and didn't want to be rude and point out that I had done a terrible job explaining the activity. And while I can own it, laugh about it and move on, this chapter makes me wonder how often this happens. How often are these kids not participating simply because they're unsure of what it looks like? How many would benefit from an example, a demonstration, or something to provide clarity on what they are supposed to be doing and what success looks like? I am 100% sure that that wasn't the first time it has happened in my career, and I'm sure it won't be the last. But I hope I can continue to be cognizant of trying to provide those examples to provide that clarity and ensure students know what success looks like. So I can give every student the opportunity to know how to show what they know. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Behind the Chalk. Did this episode remind you of a rock star teacher? 
Whether it's you or someone else, reach out and share with me so we can share with others together. Want to hear more of Behind the Chalk? Subscribe and review the podcast wherever you like to listen and follow on Twitter at ChalkEDU.